Welcome to the Four Parents Podcast. I'm your host, Ivy Lassiter, and I'm so glad you're here. Pop in your earbuds and multitask while we talk about all the parenting stuff, lessons learned, funny stories, and practical wisdom from normal people who've been there. Let's get started. On this episode, I'm talking to Ashley. She and her husband have four children, two in high school, one in junior high, and one in elementary school. When her youngest was three months old, yes, three months old, their family got on an airplane and moved to China to spread the truth about Jesus to unreached people. They spent 10 years there and unfortunately were forced to leave and at this time are not welcome to come back. Their local friends are still in a dangerous environment. And for that reason, details have been intentionally left out. So I'm going to ask a little favor. We are not going to do our typical social media push on this episode for that reason. So would you consider personally sharing this episode with someone that God prompts you to share it with? Okay, so you're about to hear Ashley talk about their journey in China, what it was like transitioning back to the States, and then some, you know, good old parenting truths that all of us can relate to. Here we go. Okay, so tell me how you and your husband ended up in China. My husband had a background in baseball. He'd been playing professional baseball here in the States for about seven years. And as he was kind of winding down, he'd kind of met some of his professional goals and such and was ready to be done with the game. Mm -hmm. Um, We kept seeing the Lord have this pattern of opening doors and cross-cultural ministry and both had a heart for full-time ministry. Yeah. So... um, he stepped away from baseball, retired, and we went to seminary um, because he felt like he needed more training, biblical training. And when we were there, I think the conversations really began. Um, there were two different baseball ministries that minister to professional players and their families, and they both do mission stuff kind of in the off season yeah. for the players. So we would go back and forth about is the Lord calling us to go on staff with the baseball ministry, or is He calling us to go overseas full-time? And the Lord just, long story short, made it really clear mm-hmm. at the beginning of seminary, which was very sweet of Him because yeah. I'm a little slow and I needed time. <laughs> so thankfully, yeah. it was a long degree, to so process, I had a good— like, okay, this is what we're doing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So we had a good four years from the time that we felt a very clear call that we were supposed to go mm-hmm. until we actually landed on the field. Yeah. Did y'all have children at the time? At that time, we um, had one— daughter, our oldest, and then I was pregnant with the second one when he started seminary. Um, And we'd actually, in between baseball and starting seminary, uh, we went to the Philippines for about a semester, and that's where we got pregnant with our daughter, and I was so sick the whole time we were there. In the Philippines. Oh, yeah. With two other little kids. Yes. Well, at that point, I I didn't have any. I was just pregnant with my first. So this is like before we started seminary. but I mean, I was literally throwing up six times a day, and it was just <sighs> miserable. So yeah. I knew I didn't want to do that again. So I was like, <laughs> okay, if we'd like to have a lot of kids, and we kind of thought we did, I'd like to have them quick back to back so I could be done with that before yep. we hit the mission field. So wow. we ended up having four kids in five years. So uh-huh. it was a pretty intense time. Um, yeah. But was really thankful that we did, that we had them quickly. So then by the time you went, to China, you had... We had all four, all four four on the ground. Yeah, my youngest was three months old, and my oldest had just turned five. So it was um, busy. It was really busy. (laughs) So what was that like to take like four kids on a plane to a place where you didn't know anybody? Like, 
I mean, it was an incredible um, act of trust, I think. Yeah. Just the Lord um, challenging me to really turn my kids over to Him. Yeah. Um, that was a big part of our story, just as far as actually getting us onto the field and um, having to to trust the Lord in that. Um, that semester we were in seminary where I felt the very clear call that the Lord was asking us to go full-time. Yeah. Um, I immediately, along with that acknowledgement of the call and submission to it, uh-huh. had this incredible growing fear of knowing at that point I was had a six-month-old, I was pregnant with a second, and I just had this fear of what would happen if something happened to one of my kids. Right. Like for me and my husband to go, that's one thing, but am I being a responsible parent right. to yeah. put them in danger potentially? Yeah. And I had this fear for years, and specifically the fear of losing a child yeah. on the field. I just yeah. thought, I, I don't know if I could live with myself if that happened. And this is a pretty dramatic story to start off with, no, but yeah. um, just that was kind of our story, was a lot of drama and having to learn how to trust the Lord hard and fast. So fast forward two, three years after um, feeling the Lord had laid it on our hearts that we were supposed to go, and my husband and I at that point had three kids on the ground. I was uh-huh. pregnant with a fourth, and we went to China to go for a couple of weeks for like a vision trip. We were okay. trying to figure out where we were going to go to language school, where we were going to live, what team we would work with. And while we were there, I was in my second trimester. Everything was great with the pregnancy. Um, the day we came back, I found out that I'd lost the baby. Oh. And it was yeah. while we were there yeah. in China. Yeah. And so it was unbelievable grief. I, we uh-huh. hadn't lost a child in a miscarriage yeah. before that. And both my husband and I felt the weight of it more than we dreamed we would have. Um, but the goodness of the Lord in the midst of that tragedy was just seeing His nearness. Yeah. And I felt like He was so gracious to allow me to gently live my worst fear, yes. my worst nightmare, yes. and see um, that somehow in the midst of that, I could trust Him uh-huh. and that He was walking with me through it. Yeah. And so I needed that. I uh-huh. needed to know that and to have that um, driven home in my heart um, to be prepared for the next almost 10 years that He was mm-hmm. calling us to, because that was just the beginning of the journey of trust. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there really wasn't a day that went by that we weren't having to depend on Him completely. Yeah. And I wasn't having to turn my children and their safety and their well-being over to Him. Yeah. So um, I didn't realize it at the time, but I, I needed that hard truth to be driven deep yeah. within me. And it gave me a confidence in Him and in His goodness and His nearness in loss and pain mm-hmm. that um, sustained me and yeah. really um, allowed me to to flourish in hard times yeah. when we were there. Yeah. It's interesting how there are things we fear mm-hmm. and you realize, like, actually, like, we really don't have anything to fear yeah. because we can walk through our worst what you know the worst thing in God's presence is enough yeah it's so and true. it's hard to experience it if you haven't or like trust that or believe it if you haven't actually done it yes those fears can just rain yeah but there's something about the reality of going through those valleys yeah that makes your faith that much yeah. more real and more bold 
So what did y'all do in China? So you got over there. You have your four kids. We landed. Yes. Tried to set up an apartment, Mm -hmm. which was crazy. Uh, We didn't really have any language at the time. So we spent our first three years in language study in a city over on the East Coast. Um, And my husband was studying full-time. I was had my oldest who was five and then the next was four years old so I was trying to do some homeschooling uh-huh. and do language school and just figure out how to buy groceries when there isn't a supermarket and uh, get from place to place in public transportation yeah. or on a bike and so it was it was crazy it was every day was just a new adventure uh-huh. and lots of humbling moments where we learned how little we knew and how far we had to go, mm-hmm. um, and we just hit it hard with language. So yeah. language learning was our top priority those first couple of years, but my husband has a real gift in languages and was able to pick up Mandarin incredibly fast. Really? Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, it was just God-given gift. So That's amazing. It is. It is, especially And then did Mandarin's. your kids pick it up really fast? You or? know, I would say no, and okay. I think this is one of those things that— I think a ton of people just assume, like, when you're immersed in it, Mm -hmm. that you're going to learn it. It was not that easy. Um, My youngest learned more and more quickly than the others. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, just the situation um, made it really hard. Uh, Chinese kids from the time they're about three or four on are in school from 7 in the morning till 6 or 7 at night. Really? And then they come home with homework. I mean, from the time they're in kindergarten, first grade on, hours of homework. So you can't find five, six, seven-year-old kids in your neighborhood. You know, everybody lives in an apartment there. So I had no idea. Yeah. So it's it's not like you're going to the playground and, oh, I'm meeting other moms. No. And the moms are all working. It's very normal for both mom and dad to work full time. And then you've got four grandparents raising the one child. Yeah. So you have four grandparents on one toddler. So it was just, you can imagine. What? what? Were y'all just like a spectacle? Oh, yeah. Having four kids? Yes. Yes, we totally were. In fact, my mom said it was like she would come over and visit. She was like, I feel like I'm traveling with a rock band. We would literally go to the zoo, which was like our favorite outing. And it would be, you know, 30 minutes across town. And I would have people coming up to me and saying, oh, do you live in this certain apartment complex? I've heard about you. No. Yeah, it really was. um, I mean, I had four tiny blonde-haired, blue-eyed kids, and just nobody knew what to do with that. So the Lord used it to open a lot of doors. So as far as um, ministry-wise, my language did not progress nearly as fast as my husband's. He was Mm -hmm. able to have open doors in teaching and training kind of biblical teaching principles to house church leaders there in that city um, relatively quickly because of um, how well he was able to communicate. And then I was able to jump in and do a bunch of parenting Bible studies. That was kind of the door that the Lord opened for me those last three years or so that we were in that city. Okay. And um, just delighted in being able to talk with young moms about biblical parenting and what that looks like. That's awesome. It was great. I loved it. It was incredible to see the, how the Lord worked in that and through that. and So that was the first three years. Yep. So it was three years. We ended up spending five years in that first city. Okay. Um, so language study, and then we needed visa, a reason to be there uh-huh. in China. You know, you have to have a visa. So after our first three years of language study, 
my husband was ready to graduate and ready to move on to something else. And so we ended up working out a deal with the international school where my older two kids had gone for the last year. Um, And my husband had been doing some preaching there. So he's not a teacher, but they hired him on to be a high school teacher and me as well. So we were both working part-time at the high school, international school. He was teaching Bible and history classes. And then I was teaching high school English. Um, So international school, is this an American or is it? Yes, it is. It's like American curriculum. It was started by a a bunch of American missionaries years and years ago. It's been around for a long time. But about 80, 85% of the students are Korean. Okay. So all the classes are done in English. They take Chinese as their, you know, foreign language. They Uh all study Chinese and they have Chinese teachers' aides in all the classes. So they have a good amount of Chinese cultural interaction, even though it's an American international school. Okay. But it's it was quite a diverse blend, you know, and then the missionaries are from all over the world. We Mm -hmm. had lots of folks from Europe and Australia and New Zealand. So it was quite a blend of culture. Yeah. It's very cool to it then was. build those relationships, and your kids probably know. Yes, yeah, they got keep to up learn with people and that kind of stuff. Yes, my oldest, my sixteen-year-old in particular, still, she gets on calls with her friends, oh, FaceTime so, calls, yeah. and they're literally in four different continents and just kind of scattered all over. So it's pretty, yeah. it's pretty cool to see yeah. they have a little different peer group than a lot of yes, kids who've been in the yeah. same city. So then after that. After that, we made a big move to the northwestern region of China. Um, We went out there to work specifically with a Muslim minority people group. Uh Um, and just felt like the Lord was calling us there. It was a it it is still an unreached people group. Mm -hmm. And um, there weren't a lot of people that want to go out there. The region itself is really unstable and quite volatile, difficult place to live, just as far as climate goes, and it's not nearly as well-developed as the rest of China. It's about 50 years behind, so, you know, things like running water and electricity, things that would go out for days at a time, whereas that wasn't the norm in the rest of China. So, And you all lived in that? We did. We did. We were there for three years, going on four, before we had to leave, so we got to spend a while there. Wow. So, while in China, were there times that it was hard to trust God? I feel like the obvious answer is yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. But, but expand on those. Like yeah. what times and you know, one of the biggest challenges was just physical safety. And mm-hmm. we don't realize here in the United States how many checks and balances there are to mm-hmm. keep our kids safe. Yeah. But it was pretty normal to have tragedies happen where there were open manholes and a kid would fall down and die from falling down an open manhole uh-huh. or um, particularly in that region out west where we lived, um, there were a number of challenges and issues there. One of the, probably the biggest one was medical care. Yeah. And there was just a very different mentality. You know, you talk about cultural differences, them being so, so deep. And in China, mostly, um, Illnesses, diseases are considered to come from like environmental factors, often uh-huh. hot and cold or what you've eaten, yeah, rather than germs and bacteria. And so if somebody was injured or hurt, it was a horrifying thing to have to take them to a hospital. So my youngest son um, fell on rollerblades and broke his leg pretty badly. And we literally could not get it set properly there. 
And that was, I mean, we would go to the hospital, and we spent weeks going back to the hospital. They didn't put a cast on it. I mean, they basically wrapped it with an ace bandage. There's no soap anywhere in the hospital. I had to lay them out on the x-ray table, and there's blood from somebody else, a previous patient, just smeared across it. So just the things that we assume would just be kind of a given for safety and sanitized conditions uh, that just was not the same. So it was really hard. I had two kids in one weekend get bitten by stray dogs and had to fly four hours across the country. Within three days, you have to go and get this anti-globulin serum, and they only had it over on the East Coast uh, back in Beijing. So they had to fly to an international hospital in Beijing really quickly to go and get that in case the dogs were rabid. So there was just a lot of things like that that were just a constant daily having to trust and know that, you know, they were in the Lord's hands, but it was pretty scary. What, like, describe in those moments of like, okay, I'm taking my son into this hospital and there's blood from somebody else. What what does it look like for you to, you know, experience God in those moments? Hmm. I think we learned, you know, here, I feel like one of the biggest differences for sure is when I'm in America, I can operate so well, so independently, so much of the time. And so I have time with the Lord, but it's, you know, a set time in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I have my prayer time, but it's going to piggyback off of my quiet time. Mm -hmm. And there it was a sense of this abiding in Him that Mm -hmm. was so deep and so intimate that we prayed looking for a parking spot because it was so hard to find a parking spot. I mean, so that much more when it's your child and their safety or their health in your hands, where it was just a constant communing with the Lord and crying out to Him and just a recognition of our complete dependence and need for Him to show up. I mean, all the time. It was, there was no aura that we can put on here that I've got this all figured yeah. out. I've got it together. Yeah. I can manage things. Yeah. Well, we've made things very easy. Mm-hmm. In a, in a, you know, there's some benefit to that, but it makes yeah. you feel very much like I can do this. Right. I can find a parking spot. There's a, you know, I can, I can take my kid and they can get the medicine they need right away. And exactly. So the beauty of the trials, the trust that we had to do is I I describe it as a forced posture of dependence that I didn't have the option or the luxury of doing things on my own. Yes. It was, I was forced into dependence and everything. Yeah. And it was, I mean, the highlight, one of the two highlights of being on the mission field was that and seeing how the Lord uh, taught me and grew me in that. It was something that I would never trade. Even in spite of the fact that it came from (laughs) usually pretty intense challenges or moments of trust that, you know, in that moment, I would have loved to have a clean x-ray table. For sure. (laughs) Are there any other things that you've thought of as far as hard to trust God? Um, We wrestled as our kids were getting older. And let's see, our daughter was... uh, 14 when we left, and uh-huh. we were seeing as they hit adolescence that it was getting more challenging. The isolation of where we were, uh-huh. 
Um, there were other American missionaries and other foreign missionaries where we were, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. And it was difficult to connect culturally there, even um, as much as we tried to encourage friendships with the locals around us. Again, so, so few believers. Yeah. Um, so that obviously is a disconnect. And it, our kids were really starting to crave uh, what they would call normal school rather yeah. than homeschooling that we were yeah. doing out there. and. And sports, sports have been such a huge part of my husband's life. Uh So to see my kids, my sons in particular, not really getting to have that, it was hard. We wondered what kind of emotional or social damage are we doing? Are kids going to be normal or weird or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I mean, there's definitely those stigmas that missionary kid from China, it's kind of fits the bill. What you grew up with is what feels normal and right to you in a right. lot of ways. So Absolutely. then it, you're look going, wait a minute, my kids are not experiencing this at all. Yeah. So how are they going to understand discipline or how are they going to understand friendships? Right. And, and how are they going to jump in to American life and culture, yes. assuming they come back for college? What does that look like? So yes. definitely lots of questions and issues with wrestling through that. Yeah. Man. So what did it look like to trust God through that? You know, the timing was such that He kind of closed the door on us being there right at the time where they were really ready, um, I think, to come and jump into American life. So it, it was a concern, I would say, for several years and something that we were having to trust Him in. But we saw on home assignments back them relating well to their peers, and we we felt encouraged and hopeful that they weren't going to be totally sidelined just trying to figure out how to engage in Mm -hmm. American culture. Um, And then the timing, his providential timing, he just he brought us back at the the stage when they were yep starting high school. That's so good of God. It is. We worry about timing and things working out, and He's like, "I've got it." Yeah. At the right time, I'll close the door. I'll open another, and you know, exactly one of those fears we didn't even need to be holding on to. I know. (laughs) Um, Okay, so you talked about the constant dependence on God, Mm -hmm. but how did you, you know, experience Jesus deeply while in China? You know, I would say, like, for me personally, um, my times with him were intense, I guess, for lack of a better word. And I feel like I have to explain this a little bit because I don't want it to sound like I was, like, in depression while I was there. I was not. It was a very, very joy-filled time. Uh But I started almost every morning in tears. Um, And it was just a pouring out my heart before Uh the Lord. Uh And there was often so many challenges that we as a family faced, but then specifically that region that we were in and just feeling for our local friends and the heartache and what we saw them going through, we learned a lot about lament and lamenting with others and just feeling those deep, you know, ugly emotions that we as Americans especially don't really like to talk about or deal with or accept or embrace. But we really learned that there's an art to lament mm. biblically, that yeah. the Psalms lay out really clearly, yeah. um, Job, I mean, you name it. we got a lot of examples in Scripture, but just bringing those depth of emotions to the Lord mm-hmm. and laying them at His feet. Yeah. And so I think a lot of 
what sustained me was those early morning hours of meeting with him and walking away, just feeling that he had lifted Mm. my head so that I was ready um, just to face whatever challenges the Lord brought that day Um, and knowing that I was doing so by his grace and in his power of his Holy Spirit. So those times of solitude and quiet in his word were absolutely what did it for me. Um, For my kids, I think they, one of the most things I'm most thankful for as far as them being there on the field for so many of their formative years, we got to see God do incredible things. Mm. And it, we're conservative believers. Like we're not, <laughs> we're not going to fit into a category, <laughs> whatever. But yeah, we we were able to see the Lord do things that just yeah. blew our mind as far yeah. as working in the lives of yes. others and Him drawing people to Him. Mm-hmm in ways that were just undeniably him just captivating somebody. And my kids got to see that, and they got to see them being a part of that. Yeah, And that was what was the coolest for our family, was my kids knew that they were on mission when they were there. Yeah, And that was something we tried to really intentionally build into them, that this is not just mom and dad being called, but this is our family that's been called here. And that they're a very integral part of that. And so they knew they were rejoicing with us yeah. when we had a local friend come to know the Lord. And um, we had the Lord open so many doors because of our kids. I, In the region that we lived out west, I had one man. It was a moment I'll never forget. He was one of the shop owners that I would go to pretty often to buy some of my basic groceries. And I had... My boys would often be my errand runners. It was, you know, to get there, it was a five or 10 minute walk. And so one of them in particular, my one who's now 15, would go all the time to this store mm-hmm. for me and get the eggs or whatever. Well, one day this store owner stopped me and he spoke a different language, but he was able to communicate in Chinese. He said, I want you to teach me. And we've gone through this before with a lot of local friends. They see an American and they want to learn English. And Uh so that's a pretty common request. But he'd asked me before to teach him English. And I explained, you know, my plate's really full. I'm I'm schooling my four (laughs) kids and several others in the community. I I don't know that I've got English lessons time, especially for another single man. Yeah. So um, I kind of reiterated this again. He said, no, no, I I want you to teach me what you're teaching him and pointed to my son. I said, what? what do you mean? Like language? He said, I said, I just, whatever you're teaching him, I want you to teach me because I haven't seen a kid act like this before. Uh And it was pretty incredible for my kids to see. I mean, we were able to follow up with the gospel and say, well, this is what we're teaching our kids. This is why you see him being a young, honorable man when you see a lot of kids who aren't. And so it was pretty awesome. My husband was able to get in the word with that guy. And spend some time studying scripture yeah. with them and just teaching them some of the biblical principles that we teach in our home. Yes. So my kids knew. They knew that they were a part of God's work and yeah. the gospel going forth. Yeah. And so they took that seriously, and they were able to see the Lord's work in that. And I think experience being vessels, you know, being an yeah. ambassador for Christ. Yeah. Your kids at a pretty young age, like, they were awed by God. It wasn't like God is just, it's a thing, a box we check. We go to church, we read the Bible, but in like 
No, God is at work, and He is doing amazing things. Yeah. Makes it come alive. Yes. Very real for them. That is so cool. Yeah. It's a huge blessing. What was family church like for you guys? Because I I love the idea of family church, but I feel like here in America, we're like, do not make me worship with my kids. And <laughs> right. I'm like, okay. Take a Because that was what life was like for y'all. Yes. For 10 years, right? Well, for a lot of the time, yes. So we had a couple of different experiences based on which city we were in. So okay. our first city that we were in, there was actually an international fellowship. So our kids at that point did have... Sunday school classes, kind of, that they could go to. Um, You know, here in America, we have things like really well-oiled machine. It was not like that. So (laughs) sometimes there weren't teachers there, or, you know, a lot of times it would be um, Chinese aunties that didn't speak English. So, you know, they're trying to inform a toddler what to do or not do, and there's no common language, so it can get complicated. So there was all sorts of issues, but... Um, in that first city that we were in, there was an international church. So we worshiped there most of the time. Our last year or two, we did more, we started doing more at home worship with okay. several other families. And at that point, my kids were older. My youngest would have been four, three or four. And so I felt like that was more doable. Uh-huh. Up until that point, the thought of having, you know, all those little kids right yeah. there with me seemed a little overwhelming. Yeah. And, um, I honestly was just desperate for the the fellowship and the feeding myself. So yes. I was happy to have them go in their classes as much as possible of those yeah. first several years. But then the home worship time was fantastic. And I we got to worship with some amazing um, families and several who had kids who were older. And that made such an impact on my kids to mm-hmm. give them a vision for worship. What does that look like to have family worship? I mean, we would... Uh-huh get together with one family. And I mean, even the non-musical members had a cajon that's this wooden box that you can like beat Uh on like a drum. Yeah. So, I mean, everybody was taking part and it was really neat. And the older kids were teaching the younger kids. And so it wasn't a burden. That was another one of the joys of the mission field was we would notice when we would come back that, you know, if you're in a in third grade, then your friends are going to be in third grade and you dare not talk to the second graders. Like, you just, you right. don't do that. Yeah. But on the mission field, it was so different where older and younger just played together. and Because there were fewer people, you think? I think. Or, and I think okay. some of it's just the culture and the yeah. expectations of that mm-hmm. um, and kind of what we set them up to expect. You know, I think yeah. even as parents, I think we play a role in that. Yeah. Where we really encourage the friendships with kids their age. And I, I get it. There's nothing wrong with that. But right. there is incredible beauty in teaching those older kids to For be sure. ministering to the younger Investing ones. Investing in the younger. Yeah. 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 So we got to see a lot of that. And it really shaped my kids so that they really enjoyed that. They, you know, even in their early teen years would yeah. have a three-year-old that would come and spend the day at our house. And they didn't think it was a total drag. You know, they'd take turns being on the little cousin-like child that was there. So um, I miss that. I wish that that was more prevalent here, but that definitely was one of the benefits that came out of the home worship. Yeah. And then we did family home worship as well. When we were in that Northwestern region, Mm -hmm. that was the only option there for sure. And we had to meet in smaller numbers and Mm -hmm. such just to not raise suspicion or um, get the attention of authorities there. So we had to be more cautious with that. So we would meet Mm, three families max, I would okay. say, 
a lot of the families out there had multiple kids for whatever reason, so we had to keep the numbers down. Yeah. Uh, but it was the same there where we would either take turns teaching or take turns um, choosing a sermon to listen to. And, yeah. Um, it was great. It it stretched us. I think I wrestled with not wanting to exasperate my children and seeing that a lot of times the at-home worship, especially in that northwestern region where we were all really stretched, nobody was really excited to take on like a kid's lesson or a kid's yeah. program. Yes. And yeah. so for a kid to sit there, you know, age five and sitting through an hour-long sermon in somebody's house and not getting distracted, it was a lot to ask. But I saw them rise to the occasion, and I saw yeah. them grow a lot yeah. in being able to practice self-control and do that in a way that I didn't expect and not be totally frustrated with it. So yeah, um, so it was neat. It, there were definitely some real benefits to having that family worship time. Yeah. Was it dangerous for you guys to be meeting? Um, it, it was risky. We, we had a couple of situations where we did have police come while we were meeting, but thankfully no one was ever taken away because of that. No one was ever arrested or anything. We, we did have to be really careful in our home fellowship things. One of the things that made us sad is there was no chance we could have any local families with us in the midst of that. It had to be only foreigners. So the law is if you're proselytizing locals, that's where there's a problem. So technically, you're allowed to be a Christian in China as a foreigner. Okay. So that's not a problem, but it's if you're, you know, dispersing religious materials or proselytizing two locals or have too big of a group together, then that would be law-breaking. So, and you could have consequences to that. So as foreigners, we could go ahead and meet together. And if somebody came, we would even tell them sometimes, you know, we're we're, we're just meeting together, having fellowship time, right? okay? And usually that would be okay. Wow! But it was a it was risky. It was much more risky for our local brothers and sisters. They were the ones that could really have the hammer dropped on them for oh. that because it's a whole different set of rules. They've got to be registered with the local church, and um, so it was it was a lot more complicated yeah. for for the Chinese nationals than it was for us as foreigners. Yeah. Um, how do you feel like y'all's time in China has impacted your kids socially? We've talked about the not having baseball teams and yes, things like that. Yes, but. exactly. Yeah, for sports. Um, I think uh, it has, I don't want to say this is a, with an air of superiority, but I think it has given them a depth uh-huh. and a longing for a depth of relationship yeah. that is very unique. Uh-huh. And I think that my daughter's quite perceptive and very emotionally in tune, big big emotions that she has and that she recognizes. And so she's been really good at articulating some to us, but she feels like one of the significant differences in relationships in China socially versus here mm-hmm. is there was a deep need for one another in China yes, yeah. that they had relationally. And so they had a youth group that they would meet with um, in that Northwestern region that was hugely impactful to her in those relationships, their conversations, they were just deep. Yeah. And so they would get together and spend time in the Word and in prayer and praying for other nations. And um, it was just unlike anything I've seen or heard of here in the yeah. States. And I, and I do think that there's truth in that, that um, there's a need for one another mm-hmm. relationally mm-hmm. that wasn't going to get filled in another 
relational circle or through a social event. You know, they didn't have social events. So, huh. yeah. <laughs> so it was really just depth of relationship. Yeah. So I think that has been huge. Um, they feel like misfits a lot of the time. Yeah. And I think that that's just one of the things I've had to offer over to the Lord. There's a term, TCK, third culture kid. And the idea is that it's kids who, I mean, a missionary kid is pretty much always going to be a TCK. So their parents are from one culture. Mm -hmm. They're living in a second host culture. So this kid is a third culture. They're not their parents. American culture, like my kids would be, they're not the Chinese culture. There's some bizarre blend. Yeah. That's not necessarily even just a blend, but really unique in and of itself. And so... There's lots of books that have been written that are really helpful in understanding kids that are TCKs, but one of the defining marks of them is that they they don't totally fit in anywhere, except yes. usually amongst other TCKs. Yeah. <laughs> and do you all have that kind of community here? Not much. Uh, yeah. Not much here. Yeah. And so our family is really close, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that the Lord designed it, that I've got four kids that are you know, peers, because they're and close they in age. they have camaraderie with each other. They do. They which do. is a beautiful thing. Yes. They have shared experiences yeah. that nobody else is going to understand yeah. or, or be able to relate to. That's something I've also had to realize is that your average 15, 16-year-old has not had to deal with the stuff that my kids have. And so yes. to expect them even to be a good listening ear, it's overwhelming. Yep. It's a lot. Right. So uh, my hope is that the Lord uses that to draw them deeper into Him, that they'll yeah. find the intimacy that ultimately can only be found in Him there. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the meantime, you know, they, they definitely seek out a depth in friendships mm-hmm. that's unique and probably overwhelming to some. Um, and I think also they've got a, a compassion mm, yeah. that's unique to kids their age. And I think a lot of that, again, comes from those last three years that we were living in that specific region, and they saw um, friends being taken away in the middle of the night, Mm -hmm. our local friends, and the devastation on families of not knowing where their dad had been taken or when he would get to come back. And So they have a unique empathy for hurting people, I think, that they've seen and experienced pain um, that's unique to kids their age. Yeah. Parenting has its challenges. Like yeah. it's it's Amen. not just the walk in the park, right? <laughs> so, For so sure. are there difference in you know when you think about parenting of challenges in China versus here? I mean, I would say that the culture for sure here is so much of the challenge, and just, really, oh, for sure. I mean, when we jumped back over here, it's things that like my kids just hadn't been exposed to or weren't used to just coarse joking and um you know my sons who are junior high and high school who are in sports in particular mm-hmm. i mean just the language that you hear just totally unfiltered f bombs being yeah. dropped all over and there's no apology yeah. or reprimand you know it's just normal right yeah. right so the, huh. those things were shocking to them i think to yeah. see how prevalent that was um I mean, even just <laughs> we really wrestled with clothing and girls' attire mm-hmm. because we'd come from a Muslim country where my daughter literally, like, she couldn't wear a tank top. Um, yeah. Anything had to be high neck. We didn't own shorts except to take to, you know, company retreats in Thailand when we had to go for 
mission conferences there. Yeah. So, I mean, it, just super conservative. Yeah. And then to come here and, you know, see all the girls wearing Lululemon shorts in school, it just kind of blew her mind. Yeah. Of, oh, my goodness. This is. <laughs> and you as parents trying to figure out, okay, well, where yeah. do we stand on this? Exactly. Exactly. You know, when yes. y'all yep. went to China, this was not, you didn't have a teenage daughter. No. Definitely not. So trying to navigate those things, I mean, technology, cell phones, and social media, that's such a huge one here, whereas it wasn't there. You know, our kids had, our oldest at least, had a cell phone when we were there, which was necessary because she was taking a bus an hour across town to go meet with her youth group. So there was no draw to Instagram or anything else, but it was just purely practical. We needed to be able to call her or her call us if she took the wrong bus route. So. Uh, it was just there was a lot of cultural differences to navigate. And, yeah. Um, but I would say Ivy, like the the thing that was has been neat for me to see is that regardless of what continent you're on or context you're in, I mean the the goal is the same. Like the goal is how do I point my kids towards Christ? Yeah. How do I get? them in a place where they see the gospel as real yeah. and relevant to yeah. them and have a heart for others to bring that to them. And and so I, that's been encouraging to me to see that there's different obstacles to that sure. main goal and objective. Yeah. But whether we're parenting in China or parenting here, you know, same same goal same right goal. there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Katie told me about discipline. <laughs> <laughs> And how you navigate that. Well, yes, we've had to think about it a lot. So this is interesting. So y'all don't think I'm obsessed with discipline. I have had to think about it a lot because would you believe in China? I told you the door the Lord kind of opened for me as far as ministry Mm -hmm. was parenting just because we have a lot of kids. And people came up to me and said, how do you do this and not lose your mind? I don't understand. Yeah. And Um, they saw the way your kids acted. Yes, which they saw the real, you know, they yeah. saw the fits and they saw that there's a yeah. way to engage with a child yes. throwing a temper tantrum yes. and a strong-willed one at that. And, yeah. Uh, but would you believe in the Chinese language, they're literally, there is not a word for spanking. Um, huh. The only word that they have is the word for hit. And so when you talk about disciplining your child, specifically if you're talking about spanking them, um, there's no understanding of that. I mean, it just goes over their head because they're thinking you're that the you're only hitting. concept is beating. Yes, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. beating or hitting yeah. somebody like punching. So um, we got to think a lot about discipline and how to explain that yeah. um, in these parenting classes that mm-hmm. I would do for these moms. My youngest, as he got a little bit older, he, he got a lot of spankings. I'll be honest. We don't think that spankings are a problem in our house. Um, but I couldn't just say that. I had to explain. So he would come in and actually like be a part of a demo. He would come no and model. Way. Yes, we would go through the whole like process. That's so funny. Totally. And I would show them what does it look like to discipline your kid in yeah. a way that's pointing them towards Christ and is not what you might think of just hitting your child. You know, you're not doing it out of anger. You're taking that time to make sure that that's not the motivation. And, yeah. Um, going through the process of explaining to them what they had done wrong and and why it was your job as their God-given authority to teach them to submit and to teach them to submit to authority because that's ultimately the biggest gift we can give our kids. Like if we're looking at our job as training them 
to prepare them to be under the authority of God yeah. as their heavenly Father, there's got to be teaching and how to submit and how. Yeah. And I just I don't see very many people learn that easily um, that haven't had some training in it. Yeah. And so I think as parents and specifically parents, when our kids are younger, that's our main objective is to teach them that there is an order of God-given authority that He's laid out in Scripture. And so we are to be His vessels for those early years and teaching them and training them that they are sinners and they are sinners in need of grace and yeah. rescue and that there's punishment that comes in accordance to our sin. And so our job is to to discipline them and to teach them that in the hopes that that will prepare their hearts to submit to the authority of Christ. Yeah. Um, you know, as he as he calls them, and they're old enough to hear and understand. Yeah, yeah. So let's like let's play this out. Like, my four year old is not wanting to get in the car, and no, I don't want to do that. Talk about how you would handle that. Again, the main goal is always to be either laying the foundation for the gospel or actually giving them the gospel. Again, kind of depending on age appropriateness and, and their level and understanding. But for a four-year-old who's saying, I'm not going to get in the car, then that's a moment where, and I tried to be brief. I think it's easy for us as moms <laughs> yeah, to, to overkill. <laughs> yes, we're going to give them the paragraph, <laughs> but they need a couple of words. And yes, so, yes. so in that situation, I think I would be brief and say, you are disobeying. And I mean, that's a word we used often because that's that's the, in our house, that was what was a spanking offense, was disobedience. disobedience. Yeah. And it can take on a lot of different forms. But if they knew that they were supposed to do something or if we directly told them they were supposed to do something and they didn't, it was disobedience. Yeah. So in that situation, I'd say, you know, you're disobeying, uh-huh. and I might give them one chance. But at, at that point, if it's something also uh, that if it has been a pattern that I've seen, this is a continual problem, I don't count to three. I don't give them two two chances to get in the car. Yeah. But expecting immediate obedience from your kids. So being able to say, I love you, you are disobeying. And so now there's a consequence to your action because you're sinning against mommy by being disobedient and defiant. Yeah. And I use big words with my kids when they were little, and it's amazing how quickly they understand and catch on yeah. to those big words. I think a lot of times we're tempted to talk down to our kids. Yeah. But I think if we can speak to them on a higher level, a lot of times their understanding seems to grow, and then those are the words and phrases yeah. that we can carry out throughout later yeah. years. So at that point, it would probably be a spanking, yeah, and then a you know reconciliation time for sure, mm-hmm. and a hug and an affirmation of love and forgiveness, but the necessity for them to learn to submit when mommy says get in the car, yeah, that it's your job to obey, right? And then I'd probably follow up with it later and bring it back up in conversation later on in the day and say, can we talk about what happened earlier? Like you got a spanking? Can you tell me what you did wrong? Yeah. And make sure that they understand and can verbalize like I did, you know. And yeah. then just, again, just constantly laying that groundwork for your heart is rebelling. You are sinning. This is who we are in the flesh. Yes. And this is why we need Jesus. This yeah. is why He came. Yeah. Because we need a Savior. Yeah. And you're going to keep on disobeying and defying apart from the grace of God changing yeah. your heart. So yeah. having those conversations regularly yeah. with our kids so that they understand that they're stuck 
Yes. And that they see their need. Yes. It just makes like the little disciplining moments have a little bigger picture. Yes. Does yeah. that make sense? Like oh, it totally. can feel very Oh yeah, it's in a the grind, grind yep. and in the moment very exhausting. Yes. And yes, you can get caught in the weeds. I Yes, I totally agree. And that's why I think it's so important. I love moms parenting Bible studies when they get together because I for me being a part of one of those when I was in those early parenting years was so helpful to just be reminded to have other ladies reminding me that there's a bigger goal, there's a bigger yes. purpose. And and I think that one of the traps that we, I mean, probably your listeners who are listening to this, probably most of them are involved in church and they're on yeah. Sundays and have their kids involved. And I think one of the biggest disservices that we can do to our kids is to teach them like, well, to not teach them any of it, like as far as the fact that they are desperately in need of grace. I think that we want to do everything we can to make our kids, you know, so much of our society is geared towards making our kids feel accepted and loved uh-huh. and wanted. Yep. And, you know, if you're looking at it from God's perspective, that's so true. But apart from the grace of God, like they're lost. Yeah. And they they can't do what God calls them to do as far as living in a way that is according to His Word. And so I think as a parent, it's so important to be able to lay that foundation and not in a shaming way or a degrading Uh way, but our hearts are sinful and our kids need to know that Yeah, because otherwise they think, oh, I'm okay. Maybe I had a bad day, but I'm fine. And it's like... The, I just think the first step to the gospel taking root in good soil is the realization that you need the gospel. <laughs> uh, yes. And yes. I think we don't want to tell that to our kids because yeah. we don't want to believe it too. They're precious. We, <laughs> we love, love them. them. Yes. We, it's not fun to get upset no. with our kids. No. Who you wants know? to say your heart's yeah. wicked? You know, yeah. that's not something that we embrace. But I found, and I, this has got to be balanced as we're talking, Ivy, about discipline and hard truth to your kid. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't say these things lightly, like your heart is wicked. Like, again, I recognize that could sound like a slap in the face, feel like a slap in the face to yeah. people, but that's always coupled with an incredible love and devotion to your kids. Like, you you uh-huh. cannot have that hard truth, a firm hand of discipline, without having love and pursuit of your children. Yeah. And yeah. I am not a fun person. I do not consider myself. I don't like <laughs> games. I'm like, I, I will sit and talk over coffee with you. I've had to work as yeah. a mom to see what does each of my kids love and how yeah. can I meet them in that and have them know that I am with them. They yes. know I don't like games and I played Settlers of Catan and that oh, gosh. crazy <laughs> snowstorm. <laughs> When your kids know yes. that you love them and yes. you are in it with them, yes, and when they see that your heart is not just rash punishment, Mm-mm. but that there is reason for that and that mm-hmm. you are desperate for them to know the grace and the truth that you do, you can say some really hard truth to your kids and have some really high expectations for discipline and obedience in a way that I think that we don't expect. Mm. But I've seen time and time again. And my, again, my oldest is 16. My youngest is 11. We might have to go back and take this one recording off the air because <laughs> I might no, be I, proven wrong. It wait. might be that, you know, five years down the road, I'm like, oh, wow, 
wish I hadn't have said that with such confidence, but yeah, from what I've seen so yeah, far, yeah, I just I think that when we love our kids well, then um, we can give them good hard truth yeah. in a way that can be transformative. Yes, and can also help us keep in mind the big picture yes. and what we're going for. Yeah, not just good behavior, but hearts that are following Christ. Yeah. So being back here in Texas, you still are on mission. We are. So what does that look like? You know, for us, a lot of it is community um, between neighborhood Mm -hmm. and our kids' friends at school. Um, It's been pretty fantastic to see my kids take ownership of being ambassadors for Christ. And my older two in particular that have been walking with the Lord longer, that are 16 and 15, um, they are faced with the world and um, a lot of the the lies that the world has us believing. And so it's been really sweet to see God use them in their peer groups Mm -hmm. and getting to um, be lights where they are. And We're still getting to do outreach and evangelism. We have a big heart for the least reached, which, you know, that's funny to say here in Dallas where we've got a lot of churches and such, but the marginalized, the the least of these. So we're trying to spend as much of our time as possible investing in those folks that um, might not just be the ones that we would run into on a regular daily basis without looking for them and really having eyes to see. Mm -hmm. So just praying that the Lord would keep opening doors for us to do that while He has us here. When Ashley described the gift of moment-by-moment communication with Jesus, because she literally didn't have another choice in China, I was compelled by that, and I've thought about it quite a bit since then. Is that sort of daily communication possible for those of us that have access to lots of solutions? Those of us that have access to electricity or grocery stores, quick medical attention, or, you know, podcast, (laughs) that sort of thing. Does God not give us the same opportunity to commune with Him in a moment-by-moment basis? I'm pretty confident that everything I've read in the Bible says that we, too, have that opportunity. God desires a deep, intimate, personal relationship with us. This is why He sent His Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us. We just may not take Him up on the offer. Is it because we are operating under the illusion that, oh, no, 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 we have this all together. I've got it. Or, um, I'm responsible for fixing these problems. Or a thought that just merely says, like, does God really care about this? This little thing? Does God care? It makes me sad thinking that I'm possibly missing out on opportunities to connect with God. I'm thinking about even my day today. What times did I miss out where he was going, hey, include me in this. So what if we began including Jesus in more things like finding parking spaces or doing laundry or the weather? And I hope this (laughs) doesn't come across as spiritual cheesiness, but you know, what if? What if in our daily little moments we included God? It kind of reminds me of this time back in December when there were snow flurries 
So this is not the big storm that shut down Texas for a week. This was this one day where it lightly snowed for about an hour. My husband was home with my boys, and then it all of a sudden stopped snowing. And my son was so disappointed that he didn't get to experience the snow with me. I was gone at the moment. So my husband said, well, I mean, why don't you pray about it? So the three Lassiter guys stood on the front porch, looking out at the sky, praying that God would bring more snow so they could experience it with me. And guess what happened? (laughs) About the time I pulled back in the driveway, the flurries started up again. (laughs) My boys were in absolute awe over this. I remember opening the car door and them going, we prayed and look, it's snowing again. It was so special. Now, there have been other times where we've prayed about things and and it doesn't come to be exactly how I asked. And you know what? That seems to be okay, too. That maybe including God is not so much about getting our answer, but the fact that we included Him in it. So when we include God, there's more opportunity for Him to be noticed. And you know what? (laughs) There might be more opportunity for our kids to be awed by his greatness, his character, his goodness. I hope you found something that you can relate to from today's conversation. And thanks for joining us. If you have any questions or just want more tips for parents, let me know at ilassiter at fbrichardson.org. I'd love to talk with you. See you next time on the Four Parents Podcast.